Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here and go! For Yelich! He has tied the game with a booming home run. He got it all. Tied up 4-4 on a big home run the pitch. Ryan Braun sends it to right center and deep. Get up! What's going on, Ball and Glove loving Brewer fans? Welcome to the Brewers Trilogy Podcast, presented by the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy. I am your host, Tyler. You can find me on Twitter at Tyler Kurth, or you can read my articles by following me at Reviewing the Brew on Twitter. Today, I have a special guest with me, Matt Graves. He is the site expert for Redbird Rants. Yes, I had to say it, the Cardinals, as much as it burns me, we have a guest on here who is a Cardinals fan, and as much as it pains me to say it, I am glad he's here because he knows a lot about Colton Wong, obviously has been watching him for many years here, which is kind of the main reason why I brought him in. So, Matt, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, sure. You sure you don't want to talk about Nolan Arenado a little bit? Maybe <laughs> Yadier Molina just signed? I mean, we got a lot of other Cardinals to talk about. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not excited about either one of those, to be honest. <laughs> oh, well, we're sad about losing Colton Wong. Uh, he was definitely one of my favorite players because uh, I'm 21. He debuted in 2013, if I recall correctly. And really, for the majority of the last decade, he was one of the most beloved Cardinals. And we were sad to see him leave and even more sad to see him join you guys. Yeah, unfortunately, like the Brewers track record in acquiring Cardinals players has not worked out the greatest for us. Like Kyle Loesch didn't really deliver as a Brewer. I think Jed Jerko did okay. I was going to say, I think I think Jerko had some good, especially uh, with um, playing bags up there. <laughs> oh, God. Call it yeah. bags or cornhole, whatever you do, but... It's kind of split in Wisconsin. I don't know. I think southern Wisconsin is more of like the cornhole and northern is more bags. So it's kind of like a, I don't know if you call it soda or pop, that's split by north and south in Wisconsin too. So, <laughs> uh, But yeah, I thought like the departure of Colton Wong was kind of interesting because you guys declined his option this year, which he was set to make, what, $12.5 million dollars. Do you think that was really strictly related due to COVID and the financial crisis and that in any other normal year, the Cardinals would no brainer, they would have stuck with them or what was kind of the reasoning with that? Yeah, I think, I think that's the biggest part of it was, uh, and we have uh, Derek Gould of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch has hit this drum over and over all winter. It was more about immediately freeing up uh, 10 and a half when you, take out his buyout um, or 11 and a half uh, immediately freeing up that money in case another opportunity presented itself um, at the time. It was really surprising because you figured even if they don't want to keep that 12 and a half million, that's a gold glove, pretty much average offensively player. That's really valuable. You should be able to at least pick up and then move that 12 and a half million. But um, when they declined it, it was really, man, they really, are needing some financial uh, flexibility here, but also 
man, the, the market for a, a $12.5 million second baseman must not be there. Yeah, that's true, especially for, you know, back-to-back gold Glover, as you were talking about, like, his DRS stats are just absolutely crazy, 16 in 2018, 19 in 2019, and then a really short six, or short 2020 season, he had six <laughs> defensive runs saved, so what do you think would be, like, the number one thing you think Brewer fans are going to notice with his defense? Uh, I think it's going to be the flashy plays. Uh, it was something where, Really, once he hit his stride as a major leaguer, he had some up and down years where some of the error totals are a little higher than you'd think you'd see from an elite second baseman. But um, that had issues or had stuff to do with with confidence issues at the plate and sort of that stuff leaking over into his fielding. But the biggest thing that you're going to see from him is the flashy plays. Now he can make both the flashy plays as well as every common play. But the biggest thing is just going to be the the plays that just make you drop your mouth. And, and that's one of the biggest things we're going to miss, especially if you guys are going from Keston Hura, who, if I remember, was kind of the worst second baseman in <laughs> baseball defensively. Uh, that's going to be a huge change for you guys. Um, second worst, I think, according oh, to okay. TRS. My apologies. Stats. My apologies. <laughs> no. Yeah, that, that's going to be interesting because here is set to shift over to first base. So at, at one point, I'm kind of like, well... I don't want Hira to struggle and just like lose everything we're gaining with Wong defensively, which is certainly a concern. But then on the flip side of that, we're now pairing Wong with Orlando Arcia, which very flashy glove player, strong throwing arm. So I kind of wanted to get a feel for like what your thoughts were with Wong and working with the other Cardinals shortstop. Like I think was it Paul DeYoung was there for a while? Was it Tommy Edmond? Did he make those guys better or how did they kind of work together? Oh, for sure, for sure. In 2019, uh, Paul DeYoung was as good as Javi Baez by defensive run saved. And, th- and that speaks a lot to what Paul DeYoung's done, but I think it speaks a lot to the comfort he had in knowing that his back was covered with Colton Wong. Because there were plenty of times where Colton Wong came over onto the shortstop side of second base and made a play, um, especially when that was one of the first years that the Cardinals really started using the shift more. Uh, I think absolutely he's going to make Arcia better, especially when you think about double plays. You think about if Arcia can get it anywhere even in the vicinity of second base, flipping a double play, Wong will barehand it, glove it, jump it, everything he needs to do to get that double play. Uh, I think he's going to be huge. Yeah, I mean, Wong said he wants to get Arcia a gold glove, so I, I would not complain with that one bit by any means. Uh, you brought up the shift, which is kind of interesting. I was wondering, because I didn't know how much the Cardinals shifted per basis, but kind of sounds like to me you don't think him shifting around the infield should be much of an issue at all? No, no, no. The only place I'd be worried about him is if you put him out in center field. Uh, if you want to have a little chuckle, you can Google uh, Colton Wong center field. Uh, the, the, the Cardinals love playing people in the outfield at times who uh, shouldn't be in the outfield. And... Um, Colton Wong back in 2016 played eight games out in center field and had a couple notably uh, off stumbles out there. Um, but no, put him in deep, deep second base with the shift. He's he's not going to have any problems defensively, no matter where you want to put him. That just must be an NL Central thing, putting players where they shouldn't belong. <laughs> Cardinals are do it. Brewers do it all the time. It, it's just insane. It's just kind of way the game's shifting, I guess, now, versatility and whatnot. Well, I uh, wanted to ask you, if I can interrupt real quick. Yep. Um, 
what are you guys planning to do with Dan Vogelbeck? Because I know you got him in the middle <laughs> of last year. I love the guy. I think he's awesome. I don't know exactly what his stats are, but uh, it made me sad to see that Hero was going to first base and that there's probably not going to be any DH. Because then what, what are you going to do with him? Right. I think the Brewers tendered up a contract, I think, with the idea that there would be a DH, you know, back in November when the deadline came up. And now that there's not, he's viewed more as going to be a bench roll type bat. You know, platooning here and Vogelbach just doesn't make any sense because here has so much more offensive upside. And Vogelbach's not a great defender and offensively. Can he relive some of the magic he did last year? Yeah. Probably not, but uh, a good power bat off the bench, I think, is what his role is going to be. Fair enough. For Wong offensively, I think he's a really great contact hitter, which is just like not what the Brewers typically pursue. But what else can we uh, expect from Wong offensively? Um, well, sort of recently, he's really come into his own offensively. There were years where he tried to be a power hitter. Uh, I mean, you look back... 2014 2015 he had 11 and 12 homers and in 2019 he had 11 but there were times at the plate especially early where you could see he was really just swinging for the fences and some of his strikeout numbers those year were a little bit higher but really recently he's tried to work in more of the walks um his walk rate was a bit higher 2019 and, and 2020 and we've had matt carpenter here for the same amount of time that wong's been here so it wasn't until really 2020 that Wong really got the chance to lead off. Um, but I think if you throw him at lead off, he's, he, he doesn't have the fastest sprint time numbers um, where I think 85 percentile, something like that. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but he can still steal some bases. He had 24 in 2019. I think that, that was his career high by four after 2014. Um, but I think you put him lead off, you bat him second. I don't know what the other leadoff options are for the Brewers, but I would think that Wong would, if there's a hole, Wong would be a perfect spot leadoff-wise. Yeah, that's kind of my viewpoint right now. At least a top-of-the-order guy, a table setter for Christian Yelich. Um, the other option is Lorenzo Cain, but he opted out for last season, really struggled in 2019, so we're not quite sure what to expect out of Lorenzo Cain. I think maybe he'll get, you know, the nod at first, but it's, you know, going to be kind of trial and error, I think, as the season goes along. But I think he definitely would be a great leadoff option for the Brewers. Yeah, and, and one other thing I want to talk to is, uh, and I'm sure you saw this some um, in his interview, his, his uh, introduction with the Brewers, is his leadership's really something that's grown in the last couple years, where he's still on the right side of 30, where he's 29, or is going into his age 30 season, so I guess he's 30 now. But there was a moment this year where we were coming off that 17-day break that we had because of COVID, and they didn't even have really any real practice. It was just 17 days of quarantine, of having to drive your own rental car from St. Louis up to Chicago. And we opened the game. It was a doubleheader on a Saturday against the White Sox. Colton Wong was our leadoff man. And after all this, where we had no idea what was coming, he went in there and he set the tone right away, took an eight-pitch at-bat, took a walk. And I know that's just one little tiny thing, but that was just a perfect microcosm of him being sort of the steadying force that he could be and was a lot of 
2020 when the Cardinals offense needed as much help as it could get. Well, that's great. I mean, you're not going to tell me Wong was one of the players in the casino, was he, who kind of I, came out to that whole debacle? I have no idea. <laughs> no idea. Uh, I don't think he actually, I don't think he ever tested positive. So there's that. Well, that's good. Is there a, so like when you think of Wong offensively, is there like a certain type of pitcher that he tends to strive more so against? Like, does he struggle against the high velo guys? Does he really excel against the control pitchers or is he just kind of pretty good at everything? I think that's something where earlier in his career, he was very susceptible to that high fastball. Um, but that also corresponded to the years where he was trying to go up there and hit home runs, where you'd see the high fastball, your eyes would light up, and he'd swing and miss more on it. Now, I, I can't really speak to it. I, I, I don't have his splits in front of me as far as righty-lefty, um, but just from, from my own experience of watching him, I can't really tell that there's any sort of pitcher that he's going to struggle against. Um, I don't think there was much this year where we platooned him so he act, yeah, this season he actually batted better against lefties than he did righties. So I, that's something that he definitely was has been working on and has improved a lot on in his career. So you guys are really getting him at a good point where everything <laughs> everything sort of came together for him in 2019 and 2020. So we were sad to see him go. I mean, we're paying him to be an everyday player with with his salary. So uh, I guess the last thing on Colton Wong here is there, what would you say the biggest weakness of his game is or what might we get frustrated with? That's interesting. I'm not really sure. There's some times where it could feel like, and, and this is definitely recency bias because this is just something I remember from this season where he'll sometimes make weak contact in spots where you would wish he would lay off a pitch or foul off a pitch. And I know that's recency bias. Um, and I know that's something that I can't put any sort of statistical fact behind. So I, I can't really say that that's that solid of a answer to that. But off my top of my head, he, he's really just well-rounded. Um, in years past, you'd get frustrated at him trying to hit the home run or trying to make the web gem play when – it wasn't a web gem play where he would try to make things more difficult, but that's really not something he does anymore. Kind of settling into his own, I guess, maturing as, as sure. he's grown, sure. grown a little bit older. So, all right, we'll give you, we'll let you gloat a little bit here. Nolan Arenado, how on earth did the Cardinals swing this trade? Because I think everyone around the league is going, what were the Rockies thinking? <laughs> persistence and perseverance uh not everyone around here has loved john mosaloc in his tenure because of some contracts that other teams have much worse contracts uh, but it's been about four years now that we've heard arenado arenado rumors and finally just like in moby dick he got his big white whale <laughs> and it didn't it didn't hurt him either so it's really something where I think it was just opportunity. I think one of the things that came out in the last week was that Matt Holiday is a really good friend of Arenado's and has just been there to tell him about what it's like to play in St. Louis. And I think at a certain point, especially after how apparently close the negotiations got last winter, it was something where Arenado really was open or even looking forward to the idea of coming to St. Louis. And then I think at this point, I, I don't know how the Brewers have been, but uh, before 
two weeks ago, the Cardinals were the only team or one of the only teams to not make any major league additions to their roster. And it was the most pessimism, the most apathy, the least excited I've seen people for a baseball season. And now in the span of two weeks, that's completely turned on its head. Um, but to be fair, John Mosaic said, hey, be patient. We're, we're, we're working on some stuff. And turns out this is much more than we could have ever imagined. Yeah, because that signing literally propels you to, I think, the favorites to win the Central, at least on paper, going into the season. And now you guys signed Molina just tonight as we're recording this. Wainwright's coming back. Uh, You have a lot of momentum going in your favor anyway. Now, I'm sure you've probably looked into it. Are you at all concerned with Nolan Arnato? not playing 81 games at Coors Field? Because I know there is a good amount of dip in his splits from home and away, and I I think it's fair to say there's going to be a decrease, but I don't think it's going to be a ton. But what are your guys' thoughts on that? The dangerous thing that we're seeing is that he's coming in on that, um, but also year to year, as they continue to build across the street from Bush Stadium, Bush Stadium has become more and more of a pitcher's park which is not great. And thankfully now we should have one of the best defenses in the MLB, which is great, but we're also paying Arenado for his offense. And you bring up a good point, and there's nothing I can really say to do that other than uh, I think it was Mike Petriello wrote that what happens a lot in Colorado is the ball breaks differently. So when they play 81 games there, they get used to that. And then when they go elsewhere, they have to try and get used to the ball breaking differently at the lower altitude. That is sort of tough to see, but you can also look at recent history of the Cardinals who got Matt Holiday, who got Larry Walker, and both of them did just fine here and there. So, uh, of course, we're worried about it because if this is a flop, then that's a very expensive flop. Um, but we're, we're, we're optimistic that he can still be... I'm more worried about Bush suppressing his power than his home road splits yeah that's that's fair i had that's an interesting part to consider with how the ball breaks i normally just think of how the ball travels not necessarily the break so that's a very interesting viewpoint on it so in your unbiased opinion does the uh does the arenado signing make the cardinals the favorite too am i right in saying that i would humbly agree you never know and um Things could go very well. Things could go very poorly. But I'd like to think so, especially with what we saw with the Cardinals having to play 54 games in 40 or 53 games, 44 days in 2020. That wears down pitchers. That wears down batters differently than we could say before. And cautiously optimistic is what I'll say. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. The Brewers aren't going to be favorites, at least by our fans standards until we trade for Jose Ramirez, which is oh, not going to happen. So, <laughs> Hey, but again, just like, just like Christian Yelich, Arenado had a tough, a tough 2020. And I don't think either player will be anywhere close. Hopefully either player will be uh, anywhere close to what they were last year. Oh gosh, for baseball's sake, I hope not, because that was, that was just pitiful. I guess some other, like, just as long as we're on the Cardinals topic here, you guys just traded Dexter Fowler as of late. Was that something you saw coming, or what were your thoughts um, with that? It's not super surprising. So he's been one of the biggest lightning rods of criticism in our fan base, just because he was 
so unbelievably bad in 2018 and people rag on him because he signed a big contract and because he's just playing as best he can but when you look at it he wasn't super worth what that contract was paying him but that's also it's just a guy trying to make money um it came out at the end of last winter that they had looked around at trying to trade him but at that point he had two years i think 33 million left on his deal and now with one year left we paid for all but i think 1.75 million uh it was something where john mosaic said he couldn't or he didn't imagine Dexter getting the amount of plate appearances that he would want, which is a, a fair point because this is really a big year for the Cardinals where we need to figure out what we have in all of our young outfielders that we've been saying for now three years. So uh, immediately Harrison Bader becomes our longest tenured and second oldest outfielder at 26, and it's going to be a really young group. So I, I wasn't super surprised with it. I'm sad to see him go. He deserved better here. Uh, but I think it, it opens the door for more playing time for our youngsters. I don't know what your outfield prospects look like, but if they're anywhere near the speed of Harrison Bader, they can they can cause some havoc. Um, but what are I guess what are some of those prospects look like? Are they more power guys or? Uh, well, we have the very well-rounded Dylan Carlson, who's a census top twenty, sometimes top ten, no matter where you look, um, where he's gonna. He's not going to be a high power guy. He's not going to be a high contact guy, but just a very well-rounded player where the the, the higher comps for him see him as Andre Ethier at his best, which that sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> um, and then we've got Tyler O'Neill, who I am a very consistent believer in despite his uh, not good numbers. He's been up for now three seasons and hasn't seen – a full year's worth of at-bats, but he won the gold glove in left field last year, so he figures to be our starting left fielder. Um, and then behind that, we've got Lane Thomas, who looked really good in about 30 games in 2019, but then broke his hand and got a really bad case of COVID this year, so he didn't play at all. Uh, and then we have Justin Williams, who was one of the out- outfielders traded back in the Tommy Pham trade, and he's just kind of the lefty who's young and I, I'm not a huge fan of his, but um, you know, I guess he deserves a shot to see what he's got too. Yeah. And you're obviously getting Molina back now. So another gold glove catcher. Yeah. Your defense is, is going to be set. That's for sure. Was there ever any doubt to you that Molina wasn't going to come back as a Cardinal? <laughs> oh, for sure. As soon as Tony La Russa got hired, I immediately thought that's it. Wayno and Yachty are going to the white Sox. Um, because they, they said together that they wanted to be a package deal. No matter where they went, they wanted to go together. And I know that's not really how it works. Um, and it worked best here. But there were times where he was saying he wasn't afraid to go anywhere else. And he was probably right. He was probably being serious. Uh, but really once uh, Kurt Suzuki signed, once JT Romuto signed, there really wasn't many more places for him. And so it just made the most sense now for him to come back here. Yeah, I don't like it. Not going to lie. <laughs> uh, a, I, I respect Yadier Molina. He's a hell of a catcher. But, man, I just hate seeing him in a Cardinals uniform. Are you guys just waiting, hoping for the year that Yadi and Wayno finally retire? Are they just going to keep coming back forever? It certainly seems like it. Like They're going to have bionic arms and... They'll still be pitching out there in their age 50 seasons, it feels like. So, 
All right. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining me today. Um, definitely some very good insight on the newest brewer, Colton Wong, and the Cardinals, you know, as a whole right now. Can you uh, just remind my listeners here where they can find some of the work that you do? Yeah. So I'm site expert again at redbirdrants.com. My Twitter is Maddie underscore ice 99. Uh, I don't really tweet too much from there, but I do tweet everything out through redbirdrants.com. Well, even though you're a Cardinals fan, it's worth the follow. Well, <laughs> I appreciate fun. coming on. And, uh, yeah, we'll have to do this again, maybe when there's some actual uh, baseball being played and to talk about. Love to join you again. Bye.